shakes the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Avant-Garde. It's bi-weekly mission to explore works inspired by that upstart crow himself, William Shakespeare. To seek out strong choices and new adaptations. To boldly go where no unqualified theater nerds in their late 20s have gone before. My name is Matthew James Marquez, and I use he-him pronouns. And my name is Megan Charlo, and I use she-her pronouns. We are here today to talk about the 1968 Season 3, Episode 13 of the original Star Trek series titled Elan of Troyes, which is supposedly based on Taming of the Shrew. Yay! Written by John Meredith Lucas, Elon of Troyes is the only episode of the original series to be written and directed by the same person. Pause. Do you think that made it worse? The show? Or better, the episode. Oh, worse entirely. I think he needed an outside eye. Well, Megan. Sorry. You might not know this, but the third season of Star Trek, the original series, is widely regarded as the worst of the show. That's why I'm so glad we are covering this episode from late in season three. For some personal context, before Marquez gives us other context... Marquez has been obsessively watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So when I was putting forth episodes for this week, I went Marquez. People online say this Star Trek episode is Shakespeare. Man, I am a quarantine Trekkie, meaning I discovered Star Trek whilst in quarantine, and it is now my favorite science fiction franchise. For some context on Star Trek, Star Trek is both a science fiction series that originally aired from 1966 to 1969 on NBC, as well as a major media franchise created by Gene Roddenberry. I would love to get into the production of Star Trek, but I am afraid if I broached the subject, Megan would kill me by setting her phasers to kill instead of stun. We don't have that much time. Let's just say it was produced by Desilu Productions, which is Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball's production company. So I Love Lucy is responsible for Star Trek. What? Though the series itself was basically dead on the water when it first aired, it thrived in syndication and gained a cult following throughout the 1970s, which ultimately led to a series of movies, a next generation, and thus a full franchise. Star Trek is noteworthy for featuring a future with a diverse population, which was both controversial and noteworthy for the 1960s. The crew consisted of people of color, women of color, and Russians, which was a very big deal. Because of this fact, I would like to take a moment to state the following. Star Trek is political. Star Trek is political. Star Trek is Political. And I have one more thing. Star Trek? Yeah, it's political. Gene Roddenberry wanted a future free from capitalism where everyone fucked. 
A true man of the people. <laughs> we're the people. <laughs> we were people. According to some Shakespearean Trekkies online, the episode Elan of Troyus is based on Taming of the Shrew. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know that Marquez and I aren't huge fans of Taming of the Shrew, and therefore, I'd really prefer not to give the entire context of the play again, so if you don't know Taming by some magic, you could check out our episode on 10 Things I Hate About You, which goes into far more detail about that story. I would also like to tell Megan some good news. Oh? This week is devoid of an acting corner. Is it because all the people would be, you know, from Star Trek? Most of the cast of Star Trek is mostly known for being on Star Trek. At least for the original series. Definitely. Most of what the cast of Star Trek, the original series, is known for are being cultural entities outside of Star Trek. Not really the vast amount of work that they did outside of it, which they did do a lot of work. Like Leonard Nimoy directed Three Men and a Baby. That's a thing. That's a thing. But you can look up the Star Trek actors They are part of the cultural consciousness, and I don't feel it's necessary to get into it. (laughs) So that means we can go straight into the episode. Warp speed. Engage. You get it, Megan? Engage. That's what they say when when they teleport. Yeah. Oh, wait, Megan, I want to do a thing. Can I do a thing? Computer. Two for Star Trek episode. (laughs) All right. So we start off with the thing I parodied at the beginning. Move past that. We already covered it. Yeah, they're it. all like, hey, Stardate, 4267324.5. I don't know what it was. Stardate, fuck off. This is the Enterprise. And we're in a border system between the United Federation of Planets and the Klingon Empire. So immediately. Yeah. When you say that, my brain goes, oh, is The cat gonna be a Klingon? That would have been cool. That would have been Interesting, different, but no. Klingons are just bad. Well, sadly, they can't be Klingons because we can't, in this episodic series, have major changing events. Like, it would be cool if it was like, we are attempting peace with the Klingons, and therefore... Someone from the Federation is gonna marry marry a a Klingon. Klingon. But no. They need to keep peace between two worlds, Ellis and Troyus. So Troy is like Troy. Troyus as... is Troyus is Troy? Well, so Troyus is like Troy, as in Troy from Shakespearean and historical literature. Or Troyus sounds a lot like Troilus, like Troilus and Cressida by William Shakespeare. Yeah, except this is based on supposedly Taming of the Shrew, Megan. And Elas is like elastic that was not invented in Shakespeare's time. Well, Megan, I actually have something for you. (gasps) Really? Yes. What? We later learn her name is Ellen. Well, it's Elan. Helen of Troyes. So like Helen of Troy. Does she act like Helen of Troy, Megan? No. Also, that's not in Taming of the Shrew. Nope. So, we learn from a Greenman named Petri. Oh, sounds like Petruchio. 
he's a guy in green makeup, which I love. I love when it's like, it's an alien species, you know, because we painted our skin green. Yes. Slap some green on me and put a prosthetic on my forehead, Megan, I'd be in a Star Trek episode. That's all I want in this world. I've done more makeup for cosplays than they do for some of their alien species. Oh, in the beginning, Megan? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So the men of Troyes apparently are vicious and arrogant. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like Petruchio. Okay, this could be a taming of the shrew. We also learn that the woman have a pheromone-like ability, and this will never come up ever again. It's also exactly like Cat. Nope. Nope. And the Elysians are bringing the Dolmen as a passenger on the Enterprise. An important figure. And we know that Petri hates the Dolmen. Also, all of the people with the Dolmen because Troyans just hate Elysians. Obviously. We all know. But the Dolmen, obviously, as an important Elysian, worst. And then a bunch of men beam onto the Enterprise. Their outfits are so end of Rocky Horror Picture Show. They are what we had lying around in the storeroom. It is burnt orange and angular and (laughs) glittery. I love it. They could be humans, but they're not. And then we find out that Alan, the dolman, is a girl! What? And she's wearing next to nothing. Because she's the romantic lead of the episode. So this is an arrogant bitchy guy and a pheromone lady. And it's Taming of the Shrew. But they're from warring planets. So it's like if Taming had warring families. Or if Romeo and Juliet hated each other. So it's like... Troilus and Cressida, but it's Cressida and Diomedes. Y- yeah? I mean, yeah, I kind guess. Kind of? Kind of? We learn very quickly that the Dolmen, Alan, is a peach. And by that I mean very arrogant, even though that's how the men were described of Troyus. So I'm like, so the women of Alan are the same as the men of Troyus? I don't know, Megan. Captain Kirk wants to get back to his job. Yeah, so he just goes to go. And Alan is like, you need to be dismissed before you can leave. And here's my thing, Megan. Kate from Taming, you know, the thing this is supposed to be based on, doesn't have any power. She just has her attitude and her words. Those are her weapons. And Petri is like subservient to her immediately. Recognizes that she's a powerful person and needs to be treated with the utmost respect, which is... Really not accurate for taming. However, we do find out that Alan is not marrying Petri, but he is there to teach her manners. So they just named him a name similar to Petruchio to make it harder on me? Yes. But it's also weird because a thing that this has to do with taming is that Kate needs... Taming. But yeah, at the the point that she is now... She would never be accepted by the Troyans because she's just so rude, so full of herself, so, so horrid. And we learn again that this mission is super important. Why? Because the Federation can't get married until Alan does. 
Dad says so. Dad. What dad? What where space, space dad. dad? Space dad says you can't get with his daughters, Elon of Elas and the Federation. The weird thing is is Star Trek has this thing called the Prime Directive in which they are not allowed to mess with the affairs of other planets that aren't a part of the Federation. Wait, so are these planets part of the Federation? That's what's confusing. Are they just against each other, but they're technically aligned by the Federation? What is the Federation? Well, the Federation of Planets is a grouping of Vulcans and humans and other alien races that have formed an alliance and they are peaceable and... Okay, so they can't be part of the Federation. Yes. so Because they're warring. So... My thought about this is the Federation is helping them achieve peace. And because they want to achieve peace, at least a little. They could join the Federation and that's why the Federation is getting involved. Yes. It's like a, it's like a hazing. Opposite hazing. Yes. Like a helpful hazing. Yes. Maybe. Whatever. So that's the exposition we're given. And everyone goes back and Star Trek goes, sorry, guys. Back to the main crew. You guys missed seeing Sulu's face, didn't you? And I go, yeah. Megan, do you just like Sulu? I love Sulu. Is Sulu your favorite? Of, no. Who's your favorite of the original crew? No, maybe. It might be Sulu. <laughs> Were you thinking of all Star Trek people and that? Yeah. Yeah. My favorite's Bones. Of course it is. Because he's a grump. I like a grump. Anyway, on the deck, we learned that they need to go slow for some reason. Because they need to give her as much time as possible to stop being a bitch. Okay. That's that... literally it. They're like, if you warp, she will still be horrible by the time we get to Troyus. <laughs> so we need to go slow. And like almost immediately when we get back to the main deck, we find out that Alan hates her quarters. She seems more like a Petruchio. Kate complains a lot about people. Petruchio complains about everything. Kate is more on the defensive, usually, in, like, her biting wit, if you want to call it that. And Petruchio is on the offensive. And she's definitely on the offensive. It is kind of weird that they're like, oh, Uhura gave her your quarters because she's a girl? Because, you know, space quarters super different between boys and girls. Also, like, are you telling me that the Enterprise doesn't have good guest quarters specifically for dignitaries? It doesn't make sense. Also, I'm like, bitch, how about one of you white boys gives up your room? Petri gives Alon a necklace, and she also hates that. And she's just like, Troyans are dogs, and I will choke to death if I have to wear a gift from them. I mean, that's pretty cat. That's pretty Kate. Whatever nickname you want to call her. We also learn that the name of one of the big dudes who's also from Alas is named Crichton. And I need to state that Crichton's kind of a hottie. He's like her number one guard. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's one of those weird things where it's just like, yes, Kirk is also kind of a hottie. A lot of the crew are kind of hotties. But like, this dude stood out to me. And so... Kirk goes and tries to reason with Alon, and so she's not having any of it. Who's Kirk in Taming? Kirk is Petruchio. Kirk? Or is Kirk Lucentio? I've got a secret, though. 
What? I don't think this is very taming of the shrew. Yeah, this isn't very taming, Megan. Well, so Kirk comes in and Alon's just like, hey, I don't want the Troyans here. And Kirk's like, okay, they can leave. And they leave. And then she's like, also, I need new quarters and new clothes and new everything. This is all plush and soft and I hate it. What, do you think I'm some soft Trojan fawn? And this is where I start liking her because she's like talking and not just standing there being talked about. But they're also trying really hard to be like, oh, she's such a tough catty bitch. Yeah, but Kirk's had enough of this. It's Kirk time now. Kirk's got to lay down the law. This is his ship. He's the captain. And she keeps asking for new quarters. And he just says to her, there are no more available. But if that's the only way to get gratification, I'll arrange to have the whole room filled from floor to ceiling with breakable objects. Because she like starts breaking stuff because she hates it. You say he's Petruchio, which I mean, Petri's not. So maybe it's Kirk, but I feel like they're giving me much more Beatrice and Benedict vibes. I don't disagree. And Kirk tells her that whining does not become her, which I do love. And he's and like, like, bye. Like, you're not complaining, you're whining. <laughs> yeah. And so he basically is like, I've got better things to do. I'm leaving. She asks for him to ask for permission. And he's like, nah. And he just leaves. And he meets Petri outside of her rooms. And Petri's like, it's off. We can't do this. It's impossible. She's too rough. And basically both sides, they just can't stand being near each other. Like They want to kill each other. They want to fight to the death. This feud is not being broken right now. And maybe that's because when you have warring families, the person you're going to marry is the one who's supposed to talk to you. Like Romeo and Juliet. It wasn't like Juliet and Mercutio. And Kirk is kind of like the prince from Romeo and Juliet. Because he tells Petri... Stop trying to kill each other, and then worry about being friendly. Little baby steps, families, come on. Literally, the ground floor is maybe don't murder each other, and then you can worry about peace. Because peace is not just not killing each other, it's being friendly. And then we cut back to the bridge, and oh no, what's that? A g g g g g ghost Hamlet's father? What? No, Megan, it's a censored ghost. Something that they can see on their beep boops because Spock is a science officer and he's reading the radar and he's like, I thought I saw a ghost. Yeah, like in Shakespeare. No, it's a different And they're all like, we saw a ghost and Hamlet's like, show me. Megan, do you want to know what Spock would say to that? What? Highly illogical. Oh. Well then. Once again, as soon as Kirk gets to the front deck, he gets a call. The Elysians are in the engine room, and they're fucking around with Scotty shit. So, here's a question about Star Trek. Megan, lay it on me. So, was it in the main crew's contracts that they had to be shown in every episode? Because I feel like they're just showing us the crew to be like, see, you guys were in it. And then they cut back to the Troyans and Elysians. I believe the main crew was not contracted to appear in every episode, but that their contracts had them have to be as they are main cast members, at least a part of every episode. Because there are people who you see in the background that are just on the ship that don't do anything or only have one line. But like literally every time we cut to the bridge, it's like, whoop, gotta leave. Hi, team. Oh, bye. (laughs) I don't know, Megan. Anyway, Ilan's really interested in Scotty's shit, except she's really not because she's like, 
engines are for mechanics and menials. I just want to know how your ship fights because she's all about war and being tough and she's a shrew. Here's the thing. Scotty, he is a salt of the earth guy. So engineers in Star Trek, I love because they are when part of the crew, they are the like roughnecks, quote unquote, but they're like nerdy roughnecks. Yeah, they get their hands dirty. (laughs) Yeah. In the science oil. (laughs) Yeah, like they cross wires and stuff. They're not really like wrenching things, but they've got like spanners and stuff. So Scotty probably sees himself as a workman. But calling him menial and calling the edge menial is insulting. And Kirk understands that that's insulting and corrects Alan and tells her, you need to say sorry or something like that. And of course, she fucking doesn't. She just leaves. He's like, now say thank you for all that you learned. And she walks away. And let me tell you, even on Star Trek, being the engineer of the ship was a pretty thankless job because all everyone asks you is, Hey, is everything working all right? Or what the hell? This thing isn't working. Scotty, fix Fix it it. now. Scotty, beam us down. Even though no one ever said beam me up Scotty in the show. Shakespeare did though. What? I'm trying to get us back into the podcast. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) sorry. Your your way of getting us back into podcast is saying the thing that would make me question everything. So, oh no, we cut back to the bridge. It's Klingons. Well, Megan, okay, they find out that the sensor ghost isn't a ghost. It's a Klingon bird of prey. And everyone's like, are we going to fight? Oh. And then beep, 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 ring, 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 ring. Like 17 calls from people on the ship being like, Kirk, he oh got, my God, uh, she uh, sucks. Ah, uh, beans. She's ruining everything. Make her stop. Ah, uh, beans. Oh, man. And then Kirk's like, fine, I'll go check it out. And Petri's just stabbed. <laughs> she killed Petri. Okay. Bum, 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 bum. So she's Cleopatra. Wait, what? That's some Cleopatra ass shit. Like Antony and Cleopatra, that's some Cleopatra ass shit. Megan, she can't be every strong female I'm character. I'm trying to find one that she actually is. I don't think you're going to. I'm gonna let you keep trying. Okay, thank you. Anyway, Petri's fucking dead. Oh, wait, he's not. Because this is space future. And in space future, a stab wound is like a nick on your wrist. Like he was collapsed in a pool of his blood and they're just like, you okay, buddy? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Bones is a great doctor. And Bones is like, stab wound, whatever. Oh, it's gone. Is that Bones, though, or is that that little vr thing he's got? Hey, don't insult Bones' medical degree. That vr thing might be very difficult to use, and you don't know. I really don't. I'm just saying, he (laughs) went to Starfleet Academy. I'm sure Bones knows his shit. Anyway, Petri's blaming Kirk for being stabbed because it's his fault, obviously, that she's unreasonable. She's still angry, and Petri is incompetent, so. Uh, uh, Yep, 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 yep. Oh, and then Uhura tells Kirk the Starfleet big famous guy is going to be at the wedding. So you got to worry about that now. Starfleet's going to know anyway if the two warring nations continue to be at war. Him being at the wedding ceremony isn't that big of a deal. It's not like they said, and we're going to blow up the wedding. (laughs) And then luckily we have a blonde girl go up to Petri and go, Oh my gosh, I need some exposition for what the secret is about this episode. And Petri goes, 
you're correct. I'm a green man. Here is the exposition for what will make this episode move forward. And that exposition is that when women from a loss cry, their tears have a pheromone where if you touch the tear of an Elysian woman, he will fall madly in love with her for the rest of his life. And she's like his obsession. I would also like to state that they don't use the term pheromone. They say it's like a magic science thing because they aren't going to use the term pheromone. Yeah, but they're just like the magic biological contraption of the tears. I'm like, what? And then Bones is like, I'm going to come up with a cure for it. And Petri's like, you'll never be able to come up with a cure for it. None of us have ever been able to and none of them have ever been able to. And we aren't part of the Federation. But Bones is a good doctor. You didn't count on that. Anyway. We cut to Elan, who is eating her dinner, and she looks like Amanda Bynes in that one scene of She's the Man, where she's eating all messy, and then she's told to eat like she has a secret, except she never eats like she has a secret. It's exactly like that, Megan, except the chicken is green. Megan, I like space food. The men are green. The chickens are green. We gotta be in space. Yeah. Kirk interrupts her eating. And he's like, Elan, we have to do this. The Troyans need this. And she's like, I don't want to marry him. And I'm like, yeah, why does she have to marry him? Everyone keeps saying the Troyans really want this piece. I haven't heard shit about the Elysians. Here's the thing, Megan. It doesn't matter what anyone wants because Kirk's got orders and he needs to fulfill those orders. So, so he needs to teach her things. Because she's not going to listen to a Trojan, but maybe she'll listen to a white man. There are a few things on this earth and in the future and beyond that are as powerful as a white man with too much confidence and a badge of authority. A white man? Typical! And he yells at her immediately about using the wrong fork because she is actually Amanda Bynes and she's the man and she needs etiquette lessons for her fucking debutante ball thing. And then she's like, I'm not going to be given to a green pig as a bribe to stop a war. And I go, yes, bitch, stand up for yourself. Fuck these boys. Fuck that green guy. Megan, I agree with you. This is wild. Am I supposed to not agree with her? Like, here's the thing. Is she rude? Hell yes. If I was in her situation, I would probably also be pretty rude. It's weird because I don't think that a lot of the stuff she does is warranted. Like stabbing a man. Maybe don't do that. But when she yells at Kirk like that, I'm like, I'm on your side. But also don't call people who work in engine rooms menial. Yes. It's one of those weird things where since all of her is rude, I'm like, oh man, I really want to be on your side, my dude. But you could stand to be a little bit nicer in certain aspects. Well, that's the other thing where she is kind of like Kate because Kate doesn't really do much that I like in the actual taming. She is pretty much just rude all around. It's weird, though, because she does have some power in that the Elysians respect her and will do anything for her. Well, and the Troyans are desperate to have her marry their prince or whatever, even though they don't think it's possible at this point. Like, they're different in their status, but in the way they treat the world around them, it's similar. So anyway, Kirk and her fight, and they slap each other. And she throws a knife at him. But he's on face, because he's Captain Kirk. 
And I like her for throwing a knife at Captain Kirk. So anyway, remember that there was a Klingon? Right, there was a Klingon bird of prey. Is something happening with that? Yeah, well, they hail the Klingons. The Klingons are like, no oh, surrender nope, terms. Nope, nope, we got to turn, go back. Oh, illusions. There's illusions. Got to oh, focus on the sorry. illusions. We yeah, can't, you're right, you're right, you're we right. We can't spend any time on the bridge. Sorry, we got to look at this orange guy doing something to things in, I'm assuming, the engine room? Well, we've seen it. It is the engine room. So Megan, he is trying to sabotage the engine. You are very right for not thinking that because it's Star Trek world. And in Star Trek world, it cannot be made obvious that something has been tampered with because it's all made up. I'm like, ah, he's looking around a lot. So I assume he's doing something bad. But then Crichton gets caught by a red shirt and that red shirt fucking dies. Classic Star Trek. No, worse than classic Star Trek. Because Crichton touches his face gently, and then he dies. Megan, he snaps his neck. He does not do anything violent to that Megan, red shirt's neck. No. Yes, he does. Rewatch the scene. He barely moves. And I then mean, it's like, oh, he's dead. And later they're like, his neck was snapped. And I'm like, Megan, I think you just Boy missed grazed it. his cheek. All right, we're back. Uh, Marquez just watched the scene. And I gotta tell you, Megan, he just grabbed the two sides of that guy's head and the guy jerked back again. Yes, (laughs) exactly. It's like, I'm going to kiss you now. And the guy goes, I'm not gay. And that's what happened. And next thing we know, he's dead. He died of homophobia. I don't think that's it, (laughs) Megan. That's my theory. We're not watching Edward II. This isn't Edward II, (laughs) Megan. It's Star Trek. Obviously, everyone's stressed because they don't know that that just happened, but there's still a Klingon ship, and Kirk is like, I'm gonna go talk to Alan about gestures vaguely at the ship. And when he goes there, the Elysians deny Kirk entry to see Alan. Oh, what, no. what is he gonna do? Whoa, Spock just comes up and he does a pew pews on the guys and they fall down classic spock i assume they're alive yeah it's stunned yeah they phase them but i would like to mention megan uh, your note does say spork don't sleep the orange guys because you shouldn't this is the opposite of their prime directive yeah spork don't sleep the orange guys no but megan that's classic spock Classic Spock is, I will do everything as I'm supposed to, by the books, highly logical. Until I don't. Until he doesn't, and then it's golden. And then you're like, mwah, chef's kiss, Spock. Thank you for doing the exact right thing. And Spock's just like, well, she's being highly illogical. And Kirk is just like, Vulcan is the only planet that can claim their women are logical. So says I, noted womanizer, James Tiberius Kirk. Nice middle name pull. Also, yeah, it was the 23rd century by way of the 1960s. Later, Women, am I right? Later Star Trek treats women so much better. Because Kirk didn't follow orders. Alon tries to stab him when he walks in again. There's an intruder who just maybe killed her guards to break into her room. That is self-defense. And then we find out that Kirk says that she should probably be spanked because she's a spoiled baby. Because she's like, don't touch me. And he says, 
I quote, If I touch you again, your glory, it'll be to administer an ancient earth custom called a spanking, a form of punishment administered to spoiled brats. James Tiberius Kirk. Noted womanizer across the galaxy. Ooh, don't like it. This episode hits real different in 2021. Yep, 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 yep. So anyway, obviously, she doesn't want to learn manners from Kirk. Because he doesn't have any. Sorry, continue. And he says that if she doesn't accept him, that he just sends someone else. And then suddenly she's like, wait, no, teach me one thing. And then she starts crying and she's just like, everyone hates me. Why do they hate me? And I'm confused. So I want your opinion. Is she doing this on purpose so that she can pheromone him? Or is this real? Well, Megan, is Hamlet saying the to be or not to be speech to himself? No, if I can't say she's acting like Cleopatra, you can't say she's acting like Hamlet. Is he saying it to a person he knows is watching? Megan, this is a classic interpretive moment. Megan, it's clear that she's fucking with she's Kirk. She's doing it on purpose. Yeah. Well, she's weaponizing an important part of what men think of women. Literal crocodile tears. Yeah, which is, they're like, oh, they're so emotional. And so what happens is he just goes like, oh, no, no, baby, please don't cry. No, baby, no. <laughs> and then he wipes her tears with his fingers. A very weirdly intimate way in order to wipe someone's tears away. Because it's Kirk and he's a noted womanizer. Classic Kirk fucks. And instantly it affects him and they start making out. And I'm like, man, I wish they were like bantering still. Well, Megan, there is a little bit of banter. Yeah, I don't like it. It's because she's just like, so about that spanking, basically. And I guess that's what I get for asking for banter, but that is not what I meant. And we cut away because this is 1960s TV. And they're gonna have sex. We can't watch sex. We gotta watch Crichton, who's still doing things in the engine room. And apparently he's contacting the Klingons or something. So the deck is trying to reach Kirk because something's going on in the engine room. From the Klingon ship. And then they all run into the engine room and they're like, no one is here. Except for this red shirt whose neck snapped when he threw himself away from Crichton. Yeah, and then they just find Crichton. I was like, oh man, he escaped. He must have gotten like beamed onto the Klingon ship. And oh, he's right there. They just like panned the camera and he was standing there. And Crichton's like, I'll never talk. And Kirk's like, Spock, do a mind meld on this guy. And I'm like, yeah. You can't escape a Vulcan mind, and then he's gone. Yeah, he shot himself, Megan. We watched it three different times, Marquez. It was very vague. Yeah, Megan, I'm not... Okay, this is You're not saying it for us. This is for the audience. This is not a nap's neck moment where I'm trying to dispute you. The show wants us to know that he's dead, but what they do is people start going towards him There is a random glow of light and then he vanishes. The problem is he shot himself in a very inconvenient way in the chest, uh, like leaned in. Because he's like crumpled in half and it was super fast. Yeah. So like it wasn't clear. It was badly choreographed. I'm going to just say that. Yeah, it was. It's Star Trek, baby. And even more Star Trek, we find out that he's dead and was doing all of this because he was in love with Elan and they were lovers and he wanted to marry her. And so he tried to sell out the Enterprise so that she wouldn't make it to Troyes 
so that she couldn't get married, but then wouldn't the Klingons probably kill her and I, them? I, I don't know. Like, what? Well, this is super important, so Kirk needs to handle these Klingons. A knock, knock, knock. It's me, Alon, on the bridge. Oh, Kirk, we definitely just had sex. Kirk instantly is like, nah, hold the phone, I'm busy. Which doesn't sound like that's supposed to be what happens when you touch the tears of an Elysian woman. But he's just like, that can wait, I gotta work on this. So my question, Megan, is, why do the Klingons care about anything that's going on here? Well, it might be because, like we were saying at the beginning, if the two planets are trying to establish peace so that they can join the Federation, maybe the Klingons are like, we'll take out these Federation planets or let them take out themselves to keep the Federation from growing. You're right. And also Klingons conquer by war, whereas the Federation conquers through like Alexander the Great methods where it's like, we'll just meld our cultures You join us now, correct? And they go, I guess. I mean, it's... Generally considered in later tracks, especially in Deep Space Nine, that the Federation is kind of insidious in the way that they take over nations and that they convince you that you should be a part of their Which whole thing. It's some Shakespearean level shit. Yeah. We're not going to force you to do something. We're just going to convince you it's in your best interest. So Alan is talking to Kirk and seeing all of these sweet nothings in his ears like Destroy Troyes. <laughs> sweet nothings. Destroy an entire planet. We could rule this system together, me and you. What Shakespeare? Because a big part of this section right now is that they are having a secret relationship right before her marriage. Yeah. Can we think of a Shakespearean play that is a secret relationship before a marriage? Yeah. Troilus and Cressida, but like backwards-ish. Mm-hmm. Antony and Cleopatra-ish. Uh, she's trying to be a Lady Macbeth to him by trying to make him, like, do stuff, but that's not really the relationship there. I mean, there's also Romeo and Juliet, and that Juliet is betrothed to be with Paris, and, I mean, and secretly marries. See, I guess it's just hard, because that would be like if Paris was from a warring family, and Romeo was just a guy from the Federation. That's fair. It doesn't make any sense. It's, Megan, you're trying so hard. I'm trying so hard. The online Trekkies said that this was a Shakespeare. Hey, Megan, Megan, I got something for you. Don't yeah. worry. Hey, here, look. I got some straws. Oh, let me grasp at them. Okay, okay. Well, nope, no. Uh, 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 uh. They're just out of your grasp. Uh, they make out. And uh-oh, Bones and Spock catch them making out. They're, they're just like, oh, yikes, brother. Well, here's what I love. Bones and Spock is probably my favorite combination of people. Because it's the logical guy and the, like, takes no shit guy? Yes. Bones, though, is a doctor, but he's still just like, good God, Spock. Lighten up a little, despite the fact that Bones is also a huge grump. Yeah. And so it's perfect. They are a good team. I mean, we find out Bones really needs to find an antidote for the tears because they find out that, like, he touched the tears. Yeah, they realize that, and then they, like, bring it up to him. They're like, what happened? And he's like, well, she was crying, and I wiped her tears away. And Bones and Spock are like, oh, Uh, no, no. we heard the exposition in the medical bay. And then they tell him the exposition, and then Kirk's like, "Uh uh-oh. 
And before they could deal with it, uh, now the Klingon ship's heading straight towards the Enterprise. Oh gosh, we gotta go to battle stations, get ready! Oh no, we can't warp away, because Crichton was in the engine room and he rigged the antimatter pods, so the Enterprise will blow up if we go into warp. What? How did he do that by, like, moving a tube one time? Well, Megan, he was just really good at his job. Star Trek. Kirk's just like, I guess then we just have to fight them. And he goes to fire and he's like, wait, the Klingons want us to fire upon them. And they want us to go to warp. And they find out that they can't go to warp or shoot their guns. Because what are they going to do? And Alon's just like, oh, well. Guess we'll die. Got to fight them. You just got to do it anyway, because that's what a real man would do. And does she want to die like Cleopatra? Because Cleopatra ends up wanting to die. And then she does. None of those other guys. I mean, Juliet wants to fake death, but then she wants to real death. Anyway, Spock is like, uh, maybe she shouldn't be here on the main deck. Maybe we should get Alon out of here. And Kirk's like, wow, you're so fucking smart and beautiful. I love you. Let's kiss later, Spock. I'm going to take her away. And she's just like, what are you doing? I love you. And he's like, I love you too. And she's like, you really want to get to Troyes? You want to see me marry another man? And I'm just like, he's got other shit to worry about right now. That's so much stuff to worry about right now. Because we find out that Megan, the dilithium converter is fucked up. That's why they can't warp or fire things. Megan? No, Marquez, we can't (laughs) worry about the dilithium because Bones has to find an antidote and they have to talk to Petri and Petri's like, you can't. Like I said, it's impossible. We've tried for years. It's been centuries. The men of Alas have tried and they can't do it. And then Bones is like, damn it, I'm a doctor, not a doctor. Wait. Damn it, I'm a doctor, not a guy who listens to your shit. And then we cut away again to the Klingons, and Klingons like, prepare to be boarded or be destroyed. And the main crew's like, can we get help from the Federation? No, the Federation's so far, we're we're in Klingon territory. Of course. And Petri's like, please, Alon, wear this necklace, because that matters now. And then he's like, come on, it's the wish of your people as much as mine. And And Megan goes, oh, okay. You finally said the Elysians also want this. It still sucks that she doesn't want it and she's being forced into it. Also, man, why do we got to have a marriage as the main thrust of a treaty? Because this is England in the 1200s. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Star Trek is we go to an alien planet and look at these backwards ways of these other aliens. Kirk speaks to the Klingons, and the Klingons are obviously, like, very reasonable people. They're like, of course, we understand. No! No terms of surrender! Either be boarded or be destroyed! And And Alon's like, hey, boo, what you doing? I'm back on deck because you're gonna die, so I'm gonna die with you because we love each other so much. And we see the Klingon take a few passes at the Enterprise, take a few shots. They're about to be destroyed. But then Spock reads something weird on the bridge. He's like, wait a second. I'm picking up dilithium. And Alon's wearing her horrible necklace that she said no to this whole time. But apparently now she's like, I will wear it for plot's sake. And it turns out that the common stones that she hates on the necklace are dilithium crystals. And that's also a good reason 
why we care about these planets. Because dilithium crystals are just scattered on the ground everywhere. Yeah, and those power warp engines. So obviously, the Federation probably didn't tell Kirk this aspect of the mission and are probably insidiously like so we're gonna I know that that's not the case because this is Gene Roddenberry and Gene Roddenberry's like the Federation are not bad and they they're never, great wonderful they're we spreading love them. order throughout the galaxy <laughs> that's my headcanon for this episode is that they didn't tell Kirk that the this real is, reason that this is for resources and they just are like yeah peace whatever peace yeah it's, uh, those two plants we for some reason care about for no economic gain they get the crystals and they're able to fight and pew 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 oh it's a space battle megan has completely lost interest instantly oh, megan space combat's so boring i took zero notes during this section if you didn't notice i did notice the secret of star trek is that it's all about talking yes because the battles are boring because they don't have the money and technology to do them and even if they did megan we've come so far in star trek that it's the most boring part of Star Trek is when they have a big fight because that's not what it's about. And the Klingon just leaves? Well, they're peaceable, Megan, so they let the King Klingon... Right, the prime directive that we haven't cared about until right now. Well, no, Megan... This the... isn't really prime directive. No, the prime this directive... Is just morals? Yeah, it's just that we have the moral high ground. He attacked you, though. He was going to kill you all. What? There's no moral high ground anymore. Megan, Gene Roddenberry only wants no more money and to fuck. Okay, Gene, I'll give you that one. <laughs> Time to wrap it up because we beat the Klingons and now our ship is fixed because of a necklace. And now Alon has learned her lesson. Has, has she? She hasn't, though. And she's just like, Captain Kirk, aren't you going to watch me get married? And he's like, no, I will not watch you get married. And then she's just like, here, a gift to remember me. And it's the dagger that she tried to kill him with. I like that move. It's pretty cute. Good move. And then she's like, remember me. And he's like, yeah, I have no choice. And she's like, nor have I. I only have responsibilities obligations does she actually like him i don't know megan. how do these tears work well does she care about him megan i don't know maybe because she like i mean he is petruchio so maybe she recognizes that he is as rough-headed and what as is this her. the scene where she's just like and all women should be subservient yes. to their space captains megan I do believe that this is the closest we've gotten to Taming of the Shrew, which is at the end, she is like, well, I guess I should get married because I have an obligation to do so. And <laughs> women must stand under the foot of the men. And definitely, it's good. And I like the ending of that play. So are we supposed to just believe that Womanizer Kirk loves her for the rest of his life? Uh, no, no, no. Bones is here, and he's found the antidote just in time. Fuck those uncivilized planets of Troyus and Elas. They don't know how to make shit, apparently. But, Spock points out, Kirk doesn't need the antidote anymore. Oh, he's already over her, because he's got a finer lady. Me, Spock. No, it's the fucking Enterprise. He wants to fuck the Enterprise. Spock is just like, no, 
the Enterprise has his heart and soul and penis and all of him. And I'm like, what? You made the antidote for nothing because it's just like, nah, Kirk's hot for his ship. I I don't know what to tell you. Storyline over. He's a ship guy. They could have just been like, yeah, the antidote was impossible. And then it would be like, it turns out. I'd like that better. Honestly, if they were like, they were right. We can't make the antidote. And then it went, oh, he doesn't need the antidote because he's in love with his job. Yeah, and not like make it the ship. Because I know that that's what they mean. What they mean is like his duty is more important. He's married to the job. Yeah. But like, they're just like the Enterprise Enterprise. herself. Herself, the ship he wants to fuck. He's been in love with her since he stepped inside of her. And I'm like, it's weird, Star Trek. It's weird. Also, yeah, like, if Bones just hadn't figured out the antidote, then it wouldn't be so much saying that the other planets are shitty and don't know anything. Yeah. And they could have just ignored that because it didn't matter. Anyway, (sighs) it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because guess what? That's the end. We finished. Okay, uh, so is that uh, Shakespeare? No. Here's my issue with lists online that say things are inspired by Shakespeare. A lot of things in the world, a lot of storylines, are similar. People like each other, or people don't like each other, or there is a guy and a girl and they have a tempestuous relationship. That doesn't mean it's Shakespeare. I want to say here, Megan, our podcast says we explore works inspired by that upstart crow himself, William Shakespeare. But every star-crossed lover narrative is not Romeo and Juliet. Right. (laughs) It's specific. Just because there is a woman who people go, she's a bitch, maybe she shouldn't be, that doesn't mean it's Taming of the Shrew. It just means she's a bitch. Yeah. And people don't like bitches. And it's not in conversation with the text. It's not going against the text or going with the text. Yes. It's not doing anything. If they were going along the path of the text and then they decided to diverge and be like, and this is how we're changing it, then that is an adaptation. But it is too far removed to really be an adaptation. To describe something as an adaptation is like that classic phrase about porn. I can't tell you what makes a porn, but I can tell you when I see it. Yeah. Like, it's hard to tell what makes something an adaptation, in quotes. But I know an adaptation when I see one. And this is not one. No, and like, we do say inspired by and not adapted from. But inspiration is varied. There are various levels of it. And sure, there could be inspiration in this episode from Taming of the Shrew because there's a bitch who has to get married. But I don't think it's a level enough that I'd put it on a list of, hey, if people are looking for Shakespeare Star Trek episodes, you should watch this one. And I guess we've kind of made it difficult by saying we'll do things that are inspired by Shakespeare. Because Shakespeare is such a part of the cultural consciousness that people are, one, always looking for it. And two, it's hard to not find a way to grasp at straws to connect it to Shakespeare. It's fine. I don't want this episode to end on, like, a complaining downer note. Well, I got something to change that, man. Oh, okay. I love Star Trek. Yeah, no, Star Trek is fun. (laughs) And, like, this is from the worst season of the original series. And, like, I didn't hate it. I was just annoyed because I was trying to connect it to Taming of the Shrew. 
watch Deep Space Nine. That's what Marquez says. Or watch Lower Decks, because that is different, but also great. I have something that I think Shakespeare would say if he saw this episode of Star Trek. Yeah. I think Shakespeare would say, love is not so great. MVP? MVP. Elon? Like, there's no episode without her, and everyone- No, you can't say Bones. Bones, baby! No! Bones! No! Bones Bones, does the thing that I find the most problematic of the episode. Bones, 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 bones. I disagree with you, because of the ending. And I feel like he makes it even more problematic than it has to be. What, that he finds a cure? Yes, to a thing that the Elysians have been attempting to do for centuries. That's not Bones' fault, that's the writer's fault. Why are you blaming the writers for Bones? This episode is all we have. We're not basing it off of all of Star Trek who gets MVP. We're saying in this episode... Do you want to know what my actual answer is? Yes, please tell me what your actual answer is. No one. Okay. So MVP, uh, this episode doesn't really deserve one. I say Elon because that's the name of the episode. And I say no one, but I like Bones. What would you rate this episode of Star Trek, the original series, Elon of Troyes? I would rate it. I'm never watching this episode ever again. Even if I watch the rest of Star Trek, the original series, I'm not going to watch this episode again. That's what I'll rate it. No jokes, no bits. It's not very good. The adaptation wasn't a very good episode. We're not a Haiti movie TV podcast, but um, this wasn't very good. No notes, zero out of ten. Don't watch this episode. Wouldn't even recommend it. Wouldn't even recommend it. Zero. I'm going to keep going. Zero out of ten. Hey, Megan. Uh-huh. What would you rate this episode? I would rate it one broken plate out of a planet's worth of dilithium crystals strewn across the ground. I want you to know, Megan, Yeah. that that essentially makes it zero, which is the same as my score. That's going to do it for us here on this week's episode of Avant Bard. If you liked what you heard, please follow us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod. And if you really liked what you heard, please support us on patreon.com slash avantbardpod. Bloopers for this week's episode will be on Patreon next week. And until next time, we will see you anon. Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlo. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod.